My name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege to welcome you to the Speaking for Him podcast. Each and every week, it is my great pleasure to be able to come alongside you with some encouragement for the journey that we call the Christian life. Because as we often say, it is not a sprint, it is a marathon, and we need each other. On this episode, I will be sharing with you the balance of my conversation with Ginny Burton, and I really was impacted by the first part of this conversation, and I think you will enjoy the second part as well. In this second part, we talk about her book, and we also talk about the initiative that's going to unite her and I in the city of Nashville, Tennessee next month. Super excited about the opportunity to impact others and to talk to them about living with a disability. But living as an overcomer. We also talk about dealing with fear when it comes to serving God. Uh, Both Jenny and I can relate to the fact of feeling a calling on our lives from God and feeling inadequate to that calling. And my guess is that many of you, if not all of you who are listening, have had similar thoughts. So join us as we dig into that as well. Before we get into the rest of this interview, though, let's talk about what is going on. Well, I don't spend a lot of time thinking or talking about the pop culture space on this podcast, but there was a story this last week out of American Idol that caught my attention, and I think it's worth discussing. Nope. It's okay. If Katie lays on the table, I think I'm going to pass out. Three kids. (laughs) Honey, you've been laying on the table too much. American Idol contestant Sarah Beth Leba is speaking out. The 25-year-old auditioned for Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, and Luke Bryan during the March 5th episode of Season 31. But before she could get to singing, the judges marveled at her youthful appearance. 25, what are you saying? Yes, 25. No, no, 16. I, 16. I mean, come on. Bless, you guys are my favorite. Give us a real, give I us have, a person. I have three kids, so that's like, Get what? away from here, what are you saying? Uh, <laughs> okay, Katie? Nope. It's okay. If Katie lays on the table, I think I'm going to pass out. Three kids. <laughs> Honey, you've been laying on the table too much. You know. You know. (laughs) So, how'd Sarah Beth really feel about Katie's dig? Taking to TikTok on March 8th, the California native says this. It's embarrassing to have that on TV, and it was hurtful. I think that women supporting and uplifting other women is so cool. And I think that mom shaming is super lame. Sarah Beth, who was mom to son Kellen and daughters Willow and Ellie, then addresses supporters. I see you and I hear you and I am grateful for you and you're worthy and um, keep loving your babies. And as for her audition. Bunny, 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 bunny and the jazz. I said bunny and the jazz. Sarah Beth's take on Benny and the Jets earned her a standing ovation from Luke and a golden ticket straight to Hollywood. Okay, I just want to say a couple things about this story. Number one, the fact of the matter is that by the time my mom was 25, she also 
had three kids and she was happily married and glad about it. You've heard me say this on the podcast before that nothing infuriates me more than people being shamed for wanting to have children. From what I can deduce from this story, this young lady who was on American Idol, who is 25 years old and has three children, is happily married. And I can't help but think that if the situation were different, and if they were unmarried, and if they had even more children, they would not have been joked about in this way. For some strange reason, we have a cultural aversion to people that want to get married young and raise families. I saw this even at Right to Life of Michigan, where we would have an unwed mother working with us, and she would choose life, and so everybody would be excited that she chose life. They'd give her a baby shower, and everything would be happy. And I'm not saying that's totally wrong. But then I would hear conversations among my coworkers, particularly about someone who had a child who got married young and got pregnant when they first got married, and they talked about how negative that was. So my question would be, why have we as a culture got to a place where unwed pregnancy, unwed birth is something that we laud, but young married birth, young married having children is something that we complain about and say is a bad thing. We want to know why our culture is twisted. That is a good reason why our culture is twisted. Yes, it was a joke, but I think one of the most important things to remember about humor is that there's usually a grain of truth to the humor. And so you can say, if you want, that this shouldn't have been seen as offensive because it should have been passed off as humor, but I think it's worth noting that I hear often in this culture that we don't have a right to tell someone whether they should be offended. We don't have a right to determine for a person whether the thing that we said hurt them. So I think it's kind of ridiculous to say, well, she shouldn't have been offended, she shouldn't have spoke out, because I'm really glad that she did, because this brings a very important thing to the forefront, and that again is the way that we embrace motherhood and children. And so often we think of it as a negative. Why do you think our culture lifts up killing children but degrades having them? Jesus said, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. And this is a perfect example, sadly. My next story is a very sad one from this week in Nashville, Tennessee. Updating the breaking news as we begin a new hour of America Reports. And right now, police working to learn more about the 28-year-old woman who shot and killed six people at a Christian school in Nashville. 
three of them children, three of them staff members. Police giving an update a short time ago. Listen here. She entered the school through a side entrance and traversed her way from the first floor to the second floor, firing multiple shots. We now know that there are three students who were fatally wounded, as well as three adults inside the school. We are working to identify those victims, including the shooter. A total of seven persons were killed as a result of this morning's incident at the school. So here is what we know so far. A call went in to Nashville police 10.13 a.m. this morning. That was the first phone call the police received of an active shooter situation. Uh, we are now learning that that female shooter, age 28, entered the school through a side door before making her way up to the second floor where she began firing. Uh, officers were on the scene within moments of the call coming in. It was a five-member team. Uh, they were clearing the first floor when they heard shots coming from the second floor. They proceeded up the stairs toward the danger into the face of the gunfire. Uh, two of the members of the five-member team engaged with the shooter, shot and killed her just before 10.30 uh, this morning. The shooter was armed, according to police, with two assault-style rifles and a handgun. Officials reviewing surveillance video from the cameras inside the school. I can tell you as someone who worked building security for the Potter's house and as someone who sought every day to ensure the safety and well-being of the school children that I worked with, this is terrifying. We had lockdown drills I think about once a month, maybe once every couple months. And we had one escape drill every year in the spring, kind of going through these scenarios of what we would do if there was an active shooter on the premises. And I know you always say that it's not going to happen to you until it does. And so this is a very sobering story. But I hate how every time something like this happens, it's the firearm's fault. The firearm is an inanimate object. Let's talk about the depraved individual who did this act of violence. It's unconscionable to go into a school and shoot children and teachers and kill six of them. It's a ridiculous. But the reason that this happened is because we live in a world of sin. We live in a world devoid of moral standards. And as I researched this story for the podcast, I, I came to realize that this was a transgender individual. So this is somebody that did not realize who they were in Christ. The reality is that every human life is valuable because it is made in the image of God. And when you take the moral standards away from society, these senseless school shootings are the result. Yes, we should make sure that we have good security. Like, for instance, why was she able 
to get into a side door. I don't know the situation of this Nashville school, but the ultimate reality is that we need to take personal responsibility for educating our children on moral absolutes. We need to convey that all people have value from the womb to the tomb. And if we do that, if we increase our love of life within this culture, I believe we can see a reduction in these type of violent crimes. And as I've said on the issue of gun control in the past, I think that if in the process of evaluating our current gun laws, we see a major loophole that's being exploited, then yes, we should be willing to close said loophole. But I also know the stark reality of the fact that criminals don't follow laws. And I feel like it's a pretty normal thing in our culture and in our law structure to be like, we're not really enforcing the laws that we have now, but let's just add another law and hopefully that will take care of the problem. The thing that really needs to change in order for these tragedies to cease to occur is a change of heart. We need to realize that all of our actions have consequences and that our ultimate authority is Almighty God. And until and unless we as a society get to that point, we're not going to see a change in these areas. That's just the bottom line. It's tough, but it's true. And my greatest sorrow when a tragedy like this occurs is that people constantly will scratch their heads and say, why did it happen again? But they also look everywhere but up for answers. And my firm belief is that we should have the attitude of the psalmist who says, I will look up unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh even from the Lord who hath made heaven and earth. So my prayer is that as you are remembering the people of Nashville in your prayer time today, that you are not wringing your hands in anxiety, but that you are looking up onto the hills to your help who is Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the creator of the world. I'm excited today, as I said at the top of the show, to share with you the balance of my conversation uh, with Jenny Burton. Uh, it was such an encouraging time for us to sit down and talk to each other and to learn about her story. And I trust that it has been an amazing encouragement to many of you. I hope that if it is, that you will share last week's podcast and this week's with your family and friends. That would be very encouraging to myself as well as to Jenny. 
Before I share with you the rest of our conversation, though, I want to share with you our quote of the day. And this scripture comes from a scripture that Ginny will reference in today's episode. And it's Paul writing in Philippians chapter 3. And he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's Philippians 3, 12 to 14. It was so encouraging to hear Jenny talk about this verse because it goes uh, with her story so well in the fact that in order for her to overcome her past, her drug addiction, she needed to realize who she could be in Christ. And she constantly refers to the importance of her personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I really appreciated this verse. Um, I reminded of a C.S. Lewis quote where it says, you can't change the past, but today you can make a choice to begin again and change the ending. And that's an Andrew Gomison paraphrase. But the basic premise of it is the past is the past. There's nothing you can do about it, but you can make each day better from the lessons that you've learned from the past. And I think that you will see as this conversation continues to unfold that that is truly Jenny's goal to not only have been redeemed, not only have been transformed, not only have been positively affected well in prison, um, but also to use her experiences to help others. Um, those who are incarcerated and also to help those who need help who aren't incarcerated to help them live a better life, to be overcomers. So without further ado, here is the balance of my conversation with Jenny Burton. Well, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I think it will be beneficial to my listeners, and I'm excited to share it. Um, So the next question I have for you is, I know that you have recently written a book. Can you talk about why you wrote the book? Maybe tell us the title and then why you wrote it. Sure. Okay. So actually I was talking with this person that wanted to help me with marketing, but I could not afford their services. And she gave me this idea. So I've created, first of all, I've created a program. Um, I have a huge goal to change systems in this nation, which is one of the things that you and I are going to be working on together, which is I'm so excited about. Um, and we can talk about that before this podcast is over, but, um, 
Um, you know, I created a program to implement in carceral settings, but I also want to implement one in the community and offer that to people that aren't going to be incarcerated. And so, you know, I have a lot of um, framework around processes that have helped me change my life. And and so somebody suggested that I write a small book, just a short one. And, and so I did. And I've been trying to use it to accrue funds. The book is called If I Can, So Can You. And it's the eight simple steps to lasting change. And so, um, you know, I have one actually right here in front of me. Uh, let me take a little look. I don't remember if I put a table of contents in here or not. So step one is willingness. Uh, step two is change the message. And so, you know, step one, it, you have to be willing even you don't have to be willing to change the whole world. You just have to be willing to open the door. Right. Um, and, and the rest sort of follows. And that's, that's kind of how our relationship with, with God is right. Like we just have to be willing to consider something. I heard a preacher once say, I think I've actually heard it more than once where the preacher said, if you're not willing, then ask God to make you willing to be willing. Sometimes there's a process in all of it and it's not always going to be, Zero to sixty and five point two. Sometimes it's I need to take the first step. And then the (laughs) second part then the second step will come and the third step will come. And if you're anything like me, you think about the finished project too much and you don't want to get bogged down in the process, but the process is what helps the finished project come together. Well, and I think oftentimes we have a visual of what we think the finished product is going to look like and we're always wrong. We're always wrong. We never know. Typically, in my experience, the finished project is far greater than anything I ever imagined. And and that's why the process, the journey is so important, right? And so we just have to be willing to open the door because that's that's all it takes, right? And and what that willingness sometimes it does, it looks like prayer. Or even if we say we don't believe, it's like, yeah, okay, well, how about just be willing to consider something else? So step two is changing the message. We all tell ourselves things. um, And most of the time, those things aren't true and they help to create our reality. So, you know, I have laid out a a path to, you know, learning to change the message and then embracing awareness as we, you know, pray for that willingness. And as we change our message, um, you know, we start to become aware of ourselves and the things around us. And so, you know, embracing that instead of resisting it is really imperative. Um, And then once, you know, that awareness happens, we have to take responsibility. It's like, okay, this is a thing. Maybe I can do something about that. And then step five is taking action. So when we realize that, hey, we should probably do something about that, you know, then we take that really scary step, which is, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't know how it's going to turn out. And I'm totally un, uh, insecure and fearful about this, but you know what? I'm just going to try to do it. And then when we do that, you know, recognize our gratitude and share that with others, right? Like, wow, that was really scary. I didn't think I could do it. I'm so grateful I did it. It didn't turn out the way I wanted to, but I learned much more than I thought that I ever would. And, and I think that's a really important practice is sharing gratitude. Um, and then realizing that, you know, gosh, okay, these messages that I've been telling myself for a long time, like they weren't even real, but I made them real because I was telling that to myself. 
So realizing that whatever we tell ourselves is the truth. And step eight, the hardest step of all, because I, I have a hard time with this still in a lot of things, but being consistent. So setting up a practice, you know, to do these things um, and continuing to do them every single day. And so, you know, that's really the gist of the book. It's a really easy, short guide on how to create change in our life and to practice these things regularly so that we can become the person that we really always wanted to be. Well, we alluded to it earlier, and then you mentioned it again a few minutes ago. So why don't we go into a little bit of a discussion about it? What is, can you tell us the details of the initiative that you and I are going to be working together on? Well, I can do an overview. We have to keep some of the details a little bit private. Um, but I am an executive consultant with the state of Tennessee, um, and we are working on an initiative to set up a framework to help individuals overcome. Uh, We have a system that has fallen short in helping individuals become as independent as they possibly can, depending on their circumstances. Uh, We have a system that is really set up to uh, create dependence, really, you know, and tell folks like you and myself, like, yeah, that's, I hear you that you want to do all these things with your life, but look at yourself. You, you can't. So we're going to do these things for you here. And this is kind of where you're going to exist. And then, you know, uh, you know, a little bit about me and I'm like, well, I can do whatever, like I'm capable. And I know that everybody else is capable too, because I didn't think I was capable for a long time. And then I proved to myself I was wrong, which is sort of the framework of that book. It's like, yeah, you actually can become your most freest, most independent self. Um, And that's not to say that we don't need external supports sometimes, right? But we can do a lot more than the system says that we can. And so um, what I'm trying to do is influence a system through lived experience um, and have a system that actually supports us to become our, our strongest selves. And, and so let, and let me give an example. So let's say, Andrew, you're carrying around 200 pounds of burden, right? You have, uh, you have your challenges. Um, these challenges have put, burdens on your life in these areas. Uh, Your service providers have helped you to build a cart to put your burdens in. So it's easier for you to push your burdens around, right? So you can take your burdens with you everywhere you go, but now you have a wheel and handles so you can push them. Well, what I'm trying to accomplish with a team of people, including you, is, hey, let's build this pasture over here. So we can help people lay their burdens down, drop that 200 pounds. And even if you still need support with some of your challenges, uh, but now you don't have to carry that weight around. We're going to go ahead and burn the carts, give that pasture over there. And now you're freer to actually be able to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish and have a system that's set up to help you with that process. So I like illustrations you know, um, but we've been carrying our, our burdens around, you know, we've been carrying our drug addiction burdens around, our incarceration burdens around, our poverty burdens around, our disability burdens around. But, you know, we can lay a lot of that down sometimes uh, and and then support each other in a way to actually overcome. And we want our system to do that, too. And so that's what we're working on together. 
Yeah, because without going into too much detail, you and I both know that the way systems are generally built up today is not a way of getting you out of the system, but a way of encouraging you to be content in the system. And when you're content in the system, you develop a victim mentality, which is really poisoning our entire culture, regardless of whether you have any visible um, disabilities or disadvantages, because everything in our popular culture today is this group against this group. It is yeah, there's victimizing a people that you have nothing in common with. It's it's saying, oh, well, they can't. And that's the worst message. That is poison. That's I really love that you described it that way. It is poison because we believe it. And then we stop trying. Well, and I definitely saw this in a school environment because we had kids that always wanted to take shortcuts. And that's really the soft bigotry of low expectations. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I often tell people if you give somebody a high expectation, they might not get all the way to your expectation, but they're certainly going to get higher than if you put the expectation way lower than they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because then people stop trying. They stop trying. And then we don't prepare people to do the, their best work either. I've heard recently that there's a higher level of able-bodied people choosing not to work than ever before in our country. So that's just another one of those things that that this mentality feeds. Yeah, but I'm excited to uh, spend some time with you and some other people in a couple months as of this recording. And so we'll see what God does. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about it as well. So one of the things I like to do when I have people on for an interview is to just ask them if there's anything specific that myself and my listeners can pray for uh, in your life. So is there anything that comes to mind? Well, I just pray for the renewed strength. I would ask for prayers for the renewed strength to continue to move forward with um, God's plan. Uh, in 2009, there was a man who prayed and prophesied over me and said I would make prisons a better place to live. Um, the work is really hard sometimes. Um, I tend to question myself. Um, I believe I get sort of spiritual attacks um, that tries to break me down. And I've been experiencing a lot of that lately. And so, you know, just prayers for strength around continuing God's plan. Um, because sometimes, you know... Not And I'm not comparing myself to Moses, but I'm just saying, like, there was a really unique experience that Moses had. Moses didn't want to follow through. He didn't feel like he was equipped. He didn't feel like he was the right person. He consistently tried to pass his, um, you know, responsibilities over to his brother, and God wouldn't let that happen. And I can totally identify with that because I'm, like, I'm just one person. Like, help me out here. Can I please just not do this? And... You know, so there are a lot of times where I just want to give up, but I keep showing up. So just prayers for strength to stick with the fight. Awesome. Well, we will definitely pray for that. And the story of Moses really factors highly into my testimony. I actually have that as part of the written testimony on my website about how in Exodus chapter four, God has come to Moses and given him this ultimatum to go to Egypt And he says, but God, I can't speak 
for you. I don't have the ability to do that. And then God says, who made your mouth? I did. Right. And so then he says, go, and I will tell you what to do. He doesn't say, let me tell you what to do and then go. He says, go first, and then I'll tell you what to do. And so many times in our lives, we want to know all the details from the beginning to the end before we take the step. And like we've been talking about, we just really need to take the step. And I think you have a great picture uh, in your journey with addiction and recovery, too, of day by day, not month by month, not year by year, but day by day. And Jesus said himself, we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread, um, yes, because yes. that's how we're supposed to live our lives day by day. So I really appreciate that word because it resonates with me as well. So do you have um, a favorite Bible verse or maybe one that is resonating with you right now? Well, I do actually have a favorite and I couldn't remember what it was for a minute because I saw that question and um, yeah. And so it's Philippians three thirteen and 14. So brethren, I, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's such a good verse. And of course the one writing that, is the Apostle Paul, and what do we know about him? We know that one of my favorites. Paul's like my bro. (laughs) Yeah, we know that he was a murderer. We know that he was a a blasphemer, Mm -hmm. and he persecuted the the church. Um, He stood at the stoning of Stephen and approved of it, and yet God turned him around. Christ came to him on the road and struck him blind and uh, let him know who he was, and yeah, he changed his life. So much so that he changed his name from Saul of Tarsus to Paul. And so that's right. That, well, that really spent the rest of his days, uh, really probably making himself look like a fool to people that revered him because, you know, he spent the rest of his days ministering, uh, the love and strength of Christ. So. Yeah. Well, thinking about the fact that he ran from the very people that he used to, run with is really significant. And I know that, you know, as we talked about earlier, how important it is to put in new, new support systems and the book of one of the epistles of Peter talks about that, that you might not be able to run with the same friends that you had before you pursued Christ. Because as Paul says, evil company corrupts good manners. That's one of the most concise verses in all of scripture. Um, so we need to keep it in mind, but I've just really been encouraged by all that we have shared today. And I'm so excited that you took the time to sit down and, and talk to me folks. I'm really blessed to have Ginny in my life. It's really kind of miraculous how this happened. And I have to tell you that originally when we met, I thought that, It was somebody pranking me because I never expected someone to reach out to me that quickly after I simply followed a Facebook page, but God had other things in mind. And I would love to talk about that actually a little bit, Andrew. Okay. You can go ahead and do that. Yeah. So, um, so 
I have, I get a lot of people that follow my social media. Uh, again, I work with Tennessee and, and I have asked Andrew to come and work on an initiative with myself and my team. I um, mean, we're covering three specific areas, which Andrew falls into one of those categories. Um, again, we value very much lived experience, which is one of the reasons I'm on the team. And, uh, so, um, I was looking for people with a lived experience with disability that have significantly uh, changed the trajectory of their life if they were, for example, didn't have the disability that they had. And so um, I normally don't pay attention to the people that follow me. Not that I don't care, but it's just, it's just a lot. And, and I saw there was a notification that came across my social media. Again, I was looking for people in the physical disability space. Um, and if I'm saying that wrong, Andrew, just please forgive me. Cause I just, you know, I, ne- I never know what language is. You learn one thing and then it changes really quickly. But so I looked and I saw Andrew's name. And so I started poking around. And I learned that Andrew was somebody that would greatly benefit the initiative that I'm working on with Tennessee. And so, of course, I reached out to him. He thought I was pranking him. I did everything I could to prove that I was not because I also have been hacked and have had things happen to my social media. So I accommodated Andrew and did everything I could to help him recognize that I was not pranking him. And I figured, you know, there was a 50-50 chance of him believing me. Next thing you know, uh, I believe it was a Monday that he called me and he realized that I was the real deal. And uh, he'll be joining me uh, in a focus group setting in Nashville, Tennessee um, in the month of May to help work on a very important initiative. And because he has a fantastic perspective and the work that he's doing just really aligns with everything that we're trying to uh, showcase is possible for other people. So it was a really beautiful thing. That's how God works in my life when I am in need. Uh, and I don't even always have to reach out. Like if it is on my heart, in my opinion, and I said, I believe all the work that I'm doing is God's work. So when God knows that there is a need there for me to fill, usually those avenues are provided. And that's exactly what Andrew and my relationship started out as. Well, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you personally, too, and you've blessed my life. But this is how crazy this type of situation is, is that if my Internet had been working correctly, I might not have even followed you because I probably would have just watched the video and Mm -hmm. said, hey, that's a good story. I hope (laughs) she's doing well. But because I followed you, then you reached out even before I had a chance to watch the video. And then after I talked to you online um, I watched the video, and then when I talked to you on the phone, I was like, well, that's the same voice as in the video, so I know that this is a real person, and that's who she is, so I just feel like God was all over that, and I'm excited to see what he has for us in the future. Absolutely. I'm excited as well. So as we wrap up this interview, I have one more question. Yep. Um, I've yep. been asking this to all of the people that I interview, and that is... What do you think the biggest lesson God is teaching you right now as we sit here in March of 2023? That is a really good question. Right now, 
I really believe that God is teaching me how to show up differently in the lives of people closest to me. Um, he is teaching me how to be vulnerable with the people uh, like my children and my husband, um, because I have definitely been known to show up with insecurity and resistance in a lot of situations. Um, but it's been a work in progress over the last 10 years where I have been able to, you know, feel strong enough to say, Oh, that's not really what I want. I want to show up in a loving way and I don't really know how to do that. And so, you know, right now I'm learning to shut my mouth um, listen to the needs of others and try to accommodate that with acknowledgement, awareness, and accountability. That's so important, isn't it? I was talking it to is. someone the other day about how I was trying to listen to them as they were speaking to understand rather than listening to respond because yeah. she actually asked me, she was like, why are you not why are you taking so long to respond to me? And I said, well, I'm listening to you. I'm processing what you're saying. And I am trying to figure out the best way to respond, but I'm listening to understand not to respond. So yeah, I think that's yeah. so important. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I think it is. And it's not a strong suit of mine always. Um, I've been very reactionary a lot of my life and, and I, de I tend to have machine gun responses sometimes, but I am working on trying to be more thoughtful when it especially because I'm I'm more thoughtful when it comes to people that aren't my immediate family. But, you know, and, you know, when it's the people closest to us, we tend to act within our comfort zones sometimes. And so I'm trying to just be more aware and loving in those in interactions. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Could you uh, tell people how they can find you? Maybe sure. on social media or on your website, all that information, so I can share that with my Absolutely. audience. Yep. So I try to keep things pretty easy. Uh, you can find me by typing into your Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn browser. V as in Victor, Ginny, G I N N Y, G as in George. Some people hear that and they put a J, uh, but G as in George, I N N Y. Last name Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N. So V. Jenny Burton. Uh, my website is www.vginnyburton.com. All right. Well, thank you. I will make sure to post a link to your website on my blog for this episode. And I'm, again, so thankful that Jenny had the opportunity to join us today. I hope that you've been blessed uh, by what you've heard in this interview, if you can think of someone that would be encouraged by this, I'd encourage you to share it with your family and friends. So that was the remainder of my conversation with Jenny Burton. I'm so thankful that she took the time to sit down with me and share her story. Really, that's one of the most exciting things about having this podcast is the ability to let other people express themselves and share their stories about how God has worked in their lives. And I got to tell you, this work of putting together a podcast really does take a lot of energy. And sometimes you hit a wall. And it's been kind of interesting for me that every time I'm close to 
or at the wall, God brings new opportunities into my life. And just a few months ago, um, I was starting to lament that I don't do enough interviews on this show. And then God has provided so many more opportunities to do interviews. I have some exciting interviews coming up for you in the future for this podcast. So please stay tuned. Just know that I love coming to you each and every week. And I hope that you are encouraged as I am. With that being said, I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 